Welcome to Eternal Well of Life Podcast. Here we are a virtual lounge that loves to teach people how to open the gift of the present every single day. Listen, come on through every Tuesday, 10 o'clock. Let's have conversations about subjects that people shy away from, but that we need to have in order to have this optimal life. Listen, we love to teach people how to live an eternal well of life. So don't skip out every Tuesday, 10 a.m. I look forward to connecting with you. I look forward to doing this journey just with you. See you soon. All right, all right, ladies and gentlemen, wait, welcome to Eternal Well of Life's And this is podcast number four. Wow. Number four is on the books officially. And this particular podcast is very special to me because I have an iconic guest that um, I think you guys will enjoy because I enjoy him. And not only because of that, but this kid, this man, I shouldn't say kid, this young man is is someone who dares to live on purpose, move to the beat of his own drum. He is a, a change agent. He has a very unique, eclectic, and amazing style. He's an artist in his own right, and he's also my son. So without further ado, can I let you guys know in the house today, we have Dion Carl McKinley Jr. Dion, how you doing today? Listen, you, you're not going to downplay my, my, my intro because this is what moms do. <laughs> but not just because you're my son, because you really are an amazing human being. But this is what we do. How you doing today? I'm alive, man. I'm calm. I'm at peace. Amen. That's, that's, that's a beautiful thing. Now, we are here to discuss a few things. You know, just life raising Dion, Dion being raised by yours truly and his dad and just the different the different folks who have impacted his life to make him who he is today at the young tender age of 19. So we want to piggyback a little bit. Um, Dion was born in in Georgia and in, in, in the actually he was born in Decatur but <laughs> was raised in the good portion of his life in Peachtree City, Georgia. What what was that like for you living in Georgia the first half of your life? Uh, it was cool. I mean, it's something that seems like a, a fever dream because I've lived in Boston for most of my life that I've been coherently present in what I do and like just as far as going through middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. But I do, I, I remember everything in Georgia kind of just being good. Because when you're as a, when you're an adolescent, like especially at that young age, you're very naive to a lot of stuff, so you don't really see any bad in anything. So even when you was living in Riverdale, like I didn't see, like I don't even remember nothing bad happened. It wasn't until y'all told me, but it was peaceful. I mean, I had great friends. Shout out Miles and Christian, and Darian, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and Lil Cam. Um, I had great people around me: Auntie Jan, Uncle Ren, Auntie Bethany. Um, Lisa, like we have, we have, and then many more. I'm, I'm not forgetting nobody. Just, mm-hmm. I would be here all day. <laughs> That's real, right. We had a life. we had a tight village. Real life. Yeah, for um, sure. But I just remember it being peaceful. Um, just being being in learning 
how to become a black man in the southern um, southern society. That's really pretty much it. It was cool. Yeah, and and for those who who of course for those who don't know us per se, this is your first time coming here. Um, Dion, um, when he was a, 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 before he was born, actually, I, I recall being in college and taking a psychology class with an amazing psychology um, professor who pretty much changed my perspective about psychology, the study of the mind, the brain, and how it works. And one thing I remember learning is that at the age, from the age of zero to five, you can literally teach a child anything. If you don't suppress his learning or her learning, there's nothing that you could not that you can prevent them from learning if you want them to learn it and that was profound to me and I always kept that in the back of my mind so when his dad and I were together um and we had Dion I I remember when Dion was like maybe five six months old it was a normal routine every night um we would do flashcards with him the alphabet flashcards and his dad would do it and it would be like A says ah and B says buh and we did that for months on end. And eventually what ended up happening, I remember he was about eight months old and we're laying in bed and we're just, we have the monitor behind, um, next to us and we're waiting, you know, for him to wake up and so forth. And all of a sudden we hear this little voice in the background going, A, it's A, B, B. And we looked at each other like, ah, he's saying the alphabets. He actually is learning it. And we had... Even though I knew what I knew um, intellectually, to actually see it manifesting in the way that it manifested, it just blew our minds. And so from that point on, we just became fanatics about teaching him everything, math and you name it, anything that we can feed him with education, we did. Another thing that, um, that, that I did and his dad and I agreed on is we didn't give him any nursery rhyme books. We didn't give him any of those those green eggs and ham books anything like that every book that Dion ever laid his hands on from the ages of zero until he went to kindergarten were books that exemplified powerful young african-american people um and people who were instrumental and powerful in the world in general um so he he never Everything was like autobiographies, little autobiographies, and 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 just information that would empower him. I don't like fiction. Yeah, he he wasn't even introduced to fiction until he got into school, and by then he he didn't even like it. So, so how was that for you, um, growing up, knowing that you had that advantage? Was it hard in school, connecting with the other kids, or was it? I didn't know I had an advantage. Right. You don't know. You're just learning from your parents. Never really had a hard time uh, being around kids, but I did feel very agitated a lot of kids at first because I didn't know that people didn't know stuff. I didn't know that I was, I hate saying this, but I said like smarter than other people Mm -hmm. in that way. So just being in school and like hearing people, hearing the way people talk and communicate and like being dumbfounded by like how, um, I'm sweating, dumbfounded by how um, much they didn't know. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to our own culture, even even to this day, sometimes I, it kind of blows my mind. Even though I have a better understanding, but yeah, like I didn't know. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you just when your parents teach you something, you just expect like that's just how life is because that's your parents and they're supposed to be a big example. Right. But but I don't. I, I'm not saying that to down credit anybody else's parents for doing their job. I just feel like 
my parents just did a good job of just allowing me to be honest and open and expressive. Like, I don't ever remember my opinion not being checked without, without reason. I don't remember, remember me not being, allowing to be as open as I want to be, having conversations I want to, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And just learning just core values, like being a gentleman, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. Like, I just thought that was something everybody learned, but I learned very quickly that it's rare yeah um and and shout out to to um Dion's dad for teaching him how to be a gentleman and um and all of that it, it we used to do um date nights on Dion. so yeah I mean it's pretty cool we used to do date nights um where Dion would take me on a date and my daughter would be on a date with her dad and that way they would learn certain etiquette on how to treat people and treat their date and treat the opposite sex and and also be learn how to be treated so all those things are, are things that you acquired um to have to learn what good manners and etiquettes and stuff were um and and so tell us about the upbringing once you left georgia he left georgia around when he was nine and his dad and i split up and we moved to Massachusetts to Newton, Massachusetts. Tell us about your experience in Newton. Uh, you just you skipped that fact that we lived in Mattapan and all that other stuff too before we went to Newton. Oh, I mean, we could we could go back there too. So go ahead and and um, this is your memory. So tell us why don't you 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 bring us up Newton to speed? Was, Newton was also a fever dream because I don't really remember it too much. Like that, I remember like just really like I remember it, of course, but it's not the same way I remember other stuff that like happened after that. But um, Newton was cool though. It was just, it was kind of the same as like Peachtree City. It was just, you're the only black kid, rich white neighborhood. Uh, you're probably the one of the poorest. And you just, you just learn and you just grow. Uh, moving a lot though, it, it just it just taught me over time how to just be comfortable with any single human being. Um, New was different too, because it was a Jewish, like a Jewish town. So there's a lot of different cultures and different aspects that I learned. Um, but it was cool, it was a cool vibe. Cool little three years, mm-hmm. have fun. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about the love of your life during your young years when you used to only watch ESPN and <laughs> and um, and CNN. That's the type of kid this this boy was. Now, yeah, as a child, I didn't really um, I didn't really do too much stuff that the average kid would do. Mm-hmm. Like of course I would you know sometimes watch Nickelodeon and stuff like that, but I didn't really watch that necessarily because like because like just out of like oh I want to watch it. It was just like just to engage in conversation with people because I've always been the type of kid where I never wanted any single human being to feel like left out. And I'm a person I just want to know everything, so just experiencing that, and just finding different things just to learn. But yeah, when I was a kid, basketball was the only thing I ever cared about. I didn't care about nothing else. There's nothing else you could tell me. I was gonna dictate me from that from that idea aspect of basketball. And why do you think you 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 leaned into basketball? What was it about basketball that was so fascinating to you? I can't tell you. It's just basketball is just the greatest sport of all time. Just and like if you ask me about it, then you ask me about it like now. Then. Well, to me, I just saw a sport that was cool. I just saw my favorite person on earth was Kobe Bryant. He played basketball, hmm. and just uh, the aggressiveness. Uh, the ability to be a dog, all that stuff, like that's what that's what made me love the sport and love the game. Just seeing someone like Kobe Bryant take over, um, just ruthlessly, and allowing allowing him to be selfish for his team, just to win and do whatever it takes. Like that's what I saw a ball as. So it was just an expressive outlet. And then the fact that my the fact that my dad loved basketball too, 
Mm-hmm. It was a way for us to connect the vibe on a deeper level beyond just, you know, him, me, and my dad, and me being his son. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, so now, you were you were devout in your journey to um, to play basketball. You wanted to do division division one. You wanted to go to NBA. The whole bit. What there was a point in your journey where you pivoted, where where things changed. Um, what what was that, and why did that take place? Well, I knew I wasn't gonna go to NBA seventh grade. I'm a very I'm, I'm very much a realist, and I kind of just already knew that from the jump. Mm-hmm. Um, when when I, I everybody else around me that was close to me, I was playing high level. I was playing high level basketball with them, but. I just started seeing people go from five nine to six four in, in the summer, mm-hmm. and I was five two five three maybe if that just being a little little kid dribbling the basketball around. So I kind of knew from that moment, but I kind of knew that I wanted to play Division One basketball, or at least play have at least play at a higher level. Because at the end of the day, my goal was to become a coach um, or a ESPN analyst to talk about basketball. Because Stuart Scott was my one of my favorite childhood heroes, <laughs> but. Um, I just started thinking about it in high school, and I just realized that the gifts that I had, I could I could do something that that is beyond myself. Because my goal right now is is anything I do on this earth to extend generations beyond the timeline that I live here. Mm-hmm. And I started feeling like that freshman year of high school. That's when I kind of realized like I didn't really I didn't have I didn't really think anything beyond basketball to the point where I felt like my life was just becoming redundant because it was just about basketball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. So I remember you going on a retreat, and you came back and you told me you wasn't gonna play basketball anymore. I didn't say that. You wasn't gonna. You wasn't gonna try to go to NBA anymore. I didn't say that either. What did you say? I just said. I just said. Um, I think that night I did tell you they weren't gonna be it, but I said um, I wanted to do something more than basketball. Like, that was just a gesture. Like, it was just like, mm-hmm. basketball is just not the thing I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. And so, how did you start pivoting towards art? Um, if I if you asked this question a year ago, I probably would have said I don't know. It just happened randomly. But I guess ever since I was a kid, I was creative. But it just was a different way. But everything I did, I always wanted to do it in a creative way. I had my own little look to it. And I was already kind of into fashion because I'm a music junkie. And a lot of my favorite um, artists are, are maximalist and eclectic, and they're very stylish. And so I was already kind of in a role where people looked at me as kind of stylish. Like it wasn't like. I couldn't dress or couldn't put anything together, but it just wasn't my priority. Mm-hmm. Um, but I told myself, like, oh, this is something that I shouldn't like. This is the dumbest thing too, because there's I can name I can name an endless amount of African Americans or just minorities who were in fashion just before even today's time, before the Verge was in the Kanye's um, that made humongous impacts. But I just felt like, oh, there's no there's no such thing as black people really expressing themselves and having a voice or implant in fashion but um so sophomore year of high school i was still hooping but I, we had a terrible uh, high school basketball season um due to our coach being fired and we could, we didn't have a coach until two weeks before school and just no one was together and it wasn't a unified team um but that aau season was probably the greatest basketball i ever played ever um I went from someone who was okay to, to playing up a grade and playing and dominating and not dominating per se, but just playing really good basketball and just getting better and stronger and stronger and going to these camps and killing kids, these camps, playing to people across different states and just killing them. Um, 
And but when I got to that point, I just started noticing that basketball just felt like a job. And I realized that what what I thought was my first love was just something that I found that I loved, but it wasn't a love that I really was gravitating towards. Because when you love something, you'll get through all the BS, you'll get through the, the, the late nights, you'll get through the I can't sleep moments. And it was just I started to feel like I was forcing myself to just do that. Mm-hmm. And the discipline that it took was something I just didn't kind of didn't want to do no more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was I was already into art, and my art teacher, Miss V, shout out Jillian Ricard, that's my dog. If you're hearing this, I love you to death. If you need anything, I got you. Um, she was already kind of like pushing it because she saw it in me. She's like, yo, you should, what are you doing? So I'm like, nah, you're wildin'. I'm a basketball player. I don't do that. Like, you're tweaking. Um, but the last day of sophomore year, I remember sitting in my Spanish class, three blocks left. And I was just sitting there on my computer, just bored, you know. And um, I was on YouTube, and um, I saw randomly in my in my for you page, it was like Virgil Abloh's Louis Vuitton Fall Winter 1718. And for whatever reason, I don't know why I decided to click it, but I don't know. Like for every reason, I heard Virgil Abloh. I was like, that's not a white boy. Let me just see what this is about. Cause it sound like a black guy. Um, and to see to see what I saw kind of changed my life. It just reminded me of where I live in Boston. Um, it was it was um it was in the middle of Paris and what he did was he created a scenery that like the borough of New York and he had all the biggest fashion designers living on the borough like they were living in the inner city and the way he the way it it was just so elegant it just opened my eyes and I was like if he could do that I know I could do this ten to fifteen times better so from that day forward I was just hooked on the idea of just being being a creative that's fantastic and. You know, just listening to you and just seeing how self-aware you are. What do you? Where does that self-awareness come from? Like, how? What do you think in your life has contributed to you being so self-aware? So, so, just having the ability to 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 set to see yourself clearly and make these decisions. Um, that points you in the direction that you're going currently. Well, everything I do, I want to be the greatest at. Mm-hmm. And everything I've, everything I've ever dreamed of, I've always wanted to be the greatest. I've always wanted to be the best at everything I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like, with that, it's just like I want to make sure, like, I don't want to ever go through life where I at least don't know, mm-hmm. me, at least I don't know how to not navigate through it, at least have an understanding of where I want to be. Like, for, I can say, I can definitely say right now, like, my, I will be one of the greatest creatives of this generation if mm-hmm. not all time mm-hmm. so it's just having that belief and then because everything like I said everything I do mm-hmm. when it's something new I want to do it to the best of my ability I don't want to I don't want to second guess it I don't want to sit there and be lazy now nah, I want to do it to the best of my ability so that was just my mentality like oh this is my thing now I'm going to try to be the best at it and I'm, and I'm going to be no matter how long it takes that's right it's a good attitude to have and um what I'd like to say to you also is um now in li- in in our lives um with me we've had and so like I was saying that many of our um journey throughout the years haven't always been peachy as you know life has many ups and downs um you know through divorce um I've been divorced twice officially um and we've had some ups and downs in between how do you feel that these ups and down ups and downs and this these not so perfect times of um our lives your life um how has that shaped you how has that affected you and and how did it it allow you to move forward because it it, you, you clearly had to figure out tools to use in order to to get past it 
just find something as you're escaping and cushioning as far as it can go. So it was uh, just turning into a dog with it. What does that mean? I don't think the audience know what being a dog would mean. Just having a mentality that whatever you're going through is just minuscule based on what you have to do in the long run. For me, I just know my goal and the deal I made with God for what I'm supposed to be on this earth. Anything around me that's supposed to bother bother me is either there for character development or it's just there just to be a distraction. I just don't let nothing distract me. That's just how I've always been. Um, Just kind of numbing things out. Like... Ever since I was a kid, you know, it's, I've been afforded the opportunity of just never being super overwhelmed and just super emotional about what's going on around me. Just staying level-headed, um, just just keep pushing. I think it's because since I had a younger sibling, I just knew I had to be strong for Madison as much as possible, no matter what. Because like if I if she looks at if she looks at me and I'm and I'm falling through the cracks, and she's gonna be like, okay, it's fine to fall through the cracks. It's like that's not how it is at all. So, Where'd you learn that? Who, who told you that that's what you needed to do? Natural instinct. Natural instinct. So that, and, and so would you say that as a male, some instincts are naturally yeah, you just, innate? Well, some people out here prey and some people are predators. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get into a survival role, you have to, you have to decide that right then and there. Some mm-hmm. people need help. Some people, some people just figure out a way to do it on their own. And I've been very independent since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those things where like I just knew like, okay, um, I could just figure this out on my own. I could figure out a way for me to live and still do the things I do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not, but just knowing that you still got to push through it. Mm-hmm. And it's a long road to understanding that. And, and if you're if you're 18 or 19 or right now and you, don't understand, and you don't understand that, what I've learned is that it's not, it's, re- it's rare to have that mindset. Not maybe where I live now in the society and the environment I, I live in every day. I mean, a lot of people around me, they've been, they've been alone since probably the same age that I was alone living so just being in that mindset like you gotta it's okay it's okay to fall but just know that you can do it on your own and don't let don't let what's going on around you overwhelm you to the point where it evaporates you and it turns you to that person like don't bring don't bring yourself into a dark enough space where you're not doing nothing like at the end of the day we all go through things we're all human we all have different things every day that kind of that kind of um dictate how we're supposed to act or try to control us and it's just like think sitting there and think to yourself i'm not gonna let this Cause all you gotta do is say it out loud and manifest it. Just I'm not gonna let this happen. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and when you manifest something, and you and you act on it, there's nothing that's gonna stop you from that. Because words have power. Well said. Now let me ask you this this question here. And um, where where does God play in your life? Um, wh- where does do you feel that your relationship and your knowledge of God has influenced a lot of of your reasoning and in your mindset as well. Yeah, for sure. I mm-hmm. just think that it's second nature now, but it's just the belief that there's a higher power because even from a scientific standpoint, there's a lot of things on this earth that that we can't explain necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and just believing that believing that the things that you see and the signs you see are uh to call it or get our signs from God but I do um I do believe and I'm, I'm I do believe I'm more spiritual than I am religious now um what I mean by that is that I'm, I'm not really I, I can't say that I'm tied down like to a church mm-hmm. because of just how I've just how I've, how I've seen and viewed church but I do believe that for example like when it comes to the Bible I stopped looking at the Bible as a religious book I started looking at it as a life book and a life lessons book. And just mm-hmm. the stories are just different 
or different great written stories that are there to help you with your life, like being a good neighbor, don't cheat, don't steal, don't lie, mm-hmm. stuff like like stuff like that, like where you're just learning lessons and allowing yourself to understand those lessons. Because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. when you are, well, like I've learned everything, I've learned all my stuff through Christian, through the Christian way. So I, I pray and I read and I write the Christian way because that's all I know. Mm-hmm. But uh, what's it called? When it comes to that, at the end of the day, even if if you're a Christian and, and let's just say God's not real, you're at peace because you lived a very good life. You were a good person. You try to be the best person you can be, and that's just how I am. I'm at peace with that. Mm-hmm. But I do also, I do also have this I- idea where it's like, um, when you're in a space like that, just allow yourself to listen because your inner because a lot of people call it an inner voice, but I call it God listening to me. But when your inner voice is talking to you, 90% of the time it's right. And so just having that as a, as a spiritual guide and just allowing allowing yourself to understand that, um, it allows yourself to, to be to be in a space where you can just think clearly. Because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot, like especially now, more than ever, that a lot of these kids are going through identity crises, uh, especially during COVID and quarantine, because that was the first time they sat down with themselves and they really thought to themselves, who am I as a human being? Mm-hmm. They don't know. Right. So they start using all this other stuff to dictate how they live and how they are. And for me, I've never been that way. I don't drink. I don't smoke. None of Because I just knew. I've, very, I've been very sure of myself ever since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I've known who I am. Mm-hmm. And I and no matter how much I express myself and no matter how much I push myself, at the end of the day, I know my core values. And um, you're just not going to tell me no because I know my core values. That's just how I am. Yeah. There's, no way, there's no way a person is going to tell me who I am as a human being because I know myself better than how you know yourself. So yeah. I feel every time. Yeah, and that's that's well said, D. That is well said. Now, um, something that I'd like to um, just kind of go towards. So, you, what kind of artist would you call yourself today? Just an artist. There's really no, there's no definitive, there's no definitive answer. Mm-hmm. I'm the type of person where at the end of the day, I'm gonna be the greatest. I'm gonna be one of the greatest artists generation. So I'm gonna do whatever. I'm gonna do everything. That's right. Anything I want to do, I'm just going to do. Right now, the way I'm providing the medicine of the gift of my art is through clothing and mm-hmm. learning how to become a fashion designer. But at the same time, I'm also I'm still painting. I still draw mm-hmm. stuff like that. I still have a, a bunch of ideas. But it's just a, it's just a process and just learning and growing. But as of right now, if anyone was to ask, I'd be I'd say fashion. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good not to box yourself up. And I love the fact that you. Um, you move to the beat of your own drum and you're fluid enough to be able to let life guide you, um, um, that to let God, the God in you guide you where you need to go and, and to, to order the, order your steps as you write your plans down. Um, and so I think it's beautiful. So you pivoted and you, you decided to do art and you, you put, you laid down basketball and so you started that at the Arts of Humanity, correct? No, I started that way before I was there. That summer, I taught myself how to do art. Mm. I'm a type of person where I learn everything on my own. Mm-hmm. You're self-taught. I'm self-taught with a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, Me too. Because I just felt like, I just felt one, I just didn't want to wait around. And two, for 17, for 17 years, all I knew was basketball. Basketball was my way. And it became a second nature. Mm-hmm. Just even getting up and going to the gym, that just seemed like something that you just do. Like, I didn't even know people, like, really people didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like I felt on edge all the time because I felt like there's, there's been people out here. There's been, like, this. there's probably some rich kid mm-hmm. in, in Paris, France, whose parents afforded him to have a whole warehouse 
that he asked for, and he has every sewing machine. Right. Or there's a person here that's been that's been doing art since they were three, four years old, mm-hmm. and I wasn't gonna let them beat me because there's no way you're gonna beat me because I want to be the great. I want to be one of the greatest. So I just turned to an animal, and I would just spend nights where I just didn't sleep. And I just learned, and I learned, and I learned, and I learned. But when I went back to school, I finally told everybody that oh, I wanted to be part of that. And then my stepmom. She introduced me to the idea. Shout out Sharina. She introduced me to the idea of Arts for Humanity. Mm-hmm. And then my art teacher like pushed it down, like like put her foot down, like, nah, you're gonna do this. You're an artist, you're gonna be creative, all that. As you were saying, go ahead. Uh, so you so you said um it was your art teacher. Yeah, right, so 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 um so that summer when I made that decision. I didn't tell anybody yet because you know it's crazy. Like that's crazy. Change your life for you sixty like that, especially as a kid. Like you don't think you're thinking that that's like the end of the world. So uh, when I when I when school started again, I remember um, I told my dad finally about that. It was like what September. I told my dad, oh, yeah, I'm not hoping no more. Um, and that was the scariest thing for me because me and my dad, that was like our biggest connection was basketball. He was probably my biggest motivator with it. And um, I was just scared to hear what he had to say. But he honestly looked at me in my eyes and said, it honestly doesn't matter to me. As long as you got a plan for everything you do, then go attack it and be the best at it. Because you're the best at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that from him, that's when he gave me the, that's when he gave me the most unstoppable feeling. Because um, when you have someone that, that you respect at that level to, to anything, when they give you the AOK, sometimes it's like where it was like a confirmation. Like, he told me that's fine. Nobody say word in my life. So, so within like the next two weeks, um, Sharina mentioned it to me, Arts mm-hmm. for Humanity. Mm-hmm. But Miss V was the one that put her foot down. Like, nah, we got no choice. Get up in there. Um, but if anyone doesn't know, Arts for Humanity is a program in Boston that takes kids who live in the inner city and give them an opportunity to learn and work as artists um, and do things and have access to things that you wouldn't have necessarily your everyday life or just being in school in the inner city um and so that changed my life immensely i have love for every single human being that i've met in there um just the opportunity for me was like usually with everything like especially with art too i learned art i forgot to mention this that summer i went insane with learning because i feel like i i have that same hunger and that drive where it was like i feel like some kid like i feel like a, a bunch of these kids have been doing this since they were seven years old and I'm 16, 17, just starting over again. So I was like, there's no way. So I literally taught myself how to draw, taught myself how to paint. So um, I didn't get to sewing yet, but mm. I didn't start sewing till the to that till quarantine. Okay. But I was still in the whole I'm an artist phase, and I was like sketching clothes, but I I wasn't fully in, in the fashion yet. Mm-hmm. But just being in a in a place where like you already have your foundational skills, bringing people around you to help you. Like shout out Rob Black, that's my mentor, um, probably one of the dope people I met. Um, even to this day, like, he, he knows, he's always looking out and always trying to make sure I'm the best person. Shout out Schwat, um, shout out Gary, shout out Jeff, shout out Jamil, um, shout out Kelsey, that was my that was my graphics mentor. Um, she really changed my life 180. Um, shout out Lane, shout out Pineapple, shout out Jordan, shout out everybody, shout out Mushin, shout out everybody in there that helped me, and especially shout out Susan. She's my dog, always looking out for me. She's the one that brought me to kind of be where I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, being there just changed my whole perspective on everything. Um, and it changed my reality. And it was honestly the biggest blessing because um, while everyone was outside, everyone was doing this, doing that in my neighborhood, everybody was smoking, drinking, 
while and doing anything. I was in I was in the art studio till 10, 11 o'clock at night, grinding, putting my work in, putting my time that I was in. And um, when quarantine hit, that was when I finally got the chance to sit down and learn how to sew. And learning how to sew changed my life immensely because now I went from I'm a painter to I'm a fashion designer. And and that journey has probably been one of the best journeys of all time that I've ever experienced. And I know that I'm gonna be the greatest at it, the greatest artist of this generation. One of them, probably the devil. I know that. I can say that confidently. That's what's up. That's wonderful. Now, um, since we're also talking about, you know, just being raised by uh, a single mother, talk to me about your journey with that. Um, you know, the great takeaways, the hard takeaways, the, you know, like who, 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 who was I to you growing up? Um, I remember when your dad and I separated, you were like about, you were about nine years old and I just grew up. You, um, you did, but you 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 were very responsible in a lot of ways. You really looked out for your sister. Screw up. Um, it's like one of those things you have to. You have mm-hmm. no choice. Now, what does growing up look like for you? When um, with us being together, we 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 they were born in Georgia, and um, we left Georgia to come to Boston, where I was from, just to come closer to support. Um, I had never been a single mother before because their dad and I were married, and so when we got a divorce, I moved to Boston to get support. So. What does that journey look like for you in terms of transitioning from having a two-household parent, I mean, two-parent household, sorry, to now just being with your mom? Um, to be honest, I didn't really have any, really any emotions. I kind of blocked emotions out of my life when you got when the divorce happened because it was like, I kind of had this instinct feeling where like I had to make sure my sister's okay before I'm okay. So I kind of just put emotion in the back burner. So I don't really remember really being super, super like, yo, this is crazy. I just remember looking at myself and being like, I did um, You're the only man in the house. Um, do, the, do as best as you can to balance school and taking care of your sister as much as possible. And that's honestly what it was. Um, mm-hmm. It was definitely a rocky road. Um, I think this is, I think this year is probably the first time we've spoken consistently in like, what, three, four years? Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of a lot of crazy stuff that's gone on. It's gone on to the point where, it's like, where like I didn't talk to you for like three, four months. You had to call me, tell me mm-hmm. to cut your phone off to for me to talk to you again. But it's also been times when we was when I was a kid where we had the best of the times. You could watch movies and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I just think that it's a rocky road um, because when you are used to two people in the house, especially when you uh, love your parents in the same way, and you, you know as a child you don't expect nothing to happen. You know? child no matter how much you grow you're still naive to the point where you think life is this and that da, da, da. and when life slaps you in the face for the first time especially that young you start to realize how the world isn't as happy as you always seem but i think that's the biggest blessing i had in life in general the biggest form of character development because it made me grow and it allowed my mind to become a little bit more i guess people say wiser mm-hmm. or maybe have more of a soul wisdom friend. I, I guess and people always say that like on your wise but it's like I don't I just think I just went through a lot of hard stuff as a kid and it just so 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 what do you remember about our relationship um, before before it pivoted um, what do you remember about our relationship in terms of um, I mean because we can say that you are a kingdom a kingdom kid meaning you do believe in God and, and you've had seasons of your own growth spiritually and um but but what what do you think our relationship around your your young years, your, um, the 
prior to the pivot, what was that like? Because we want to give people insight about what it's like to be raised by a black mother. Did I baby you? Did did you feel like um do you um do you feel like I raised you from a female perspective or did do you feel like I, I gave you enough rope um to kind of grow on your own? Was I, I was like I, I fair? A, was I I didn't feel like I felt like from age nine to about thirteen mm-hmm. I was having a tight leash, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um I really, I really felt like a lot of times you were being very overprotective. Which, I mean, now looking back, I kind of understand why. <laughs> but I, you know, I just felt like I could have. I'm looking back on, I think that I wish I had more of a more experience. But with where where, where my life goes, it's it's, it's a blessing because there's certain things I avoided. But just uh, one thing you were, you were very honest, which is good. But when you're like, I just feel like when you're the only man in the house and there's two girls, two females, two females, two women, mm-hmm. um, it's very challenging as a male to balance both because you, because as a male, we come from understanding of just, we just stick it out. That's just what we are. And when you're around two people that are very emotional, sometimes you get overwhelmed and it, yeah. and it cause you to just black out. And just, so my anger, my anger issues was very high back then. Um, I remember like, Every day was just different. Mm-hmm. Like, there was really good days, but there was also like, yo, what's going on right now? Yo, wow, I'm about to be on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, honestly, it's just like, I can't really give, there's not really a definitive answer for that because um, when you're when you're that young and you live like that, especially when it's just a mom, it's a lot of ups and downs. But you but you, but you you did get a lot of opportunities. I mean, you were able to live in, you but were. Like, like that, that stuff doesn't matter when you're a kid. No, I you know. You don't like. You don't think about the good education you're, you're, and all you're that think, stuff. You're, like that. you're thinking that because mm-hmm. you're the parent. Yeah. As a kid, yeah. it's it's uh, what is my mom doing? How? Mm-hmm. Why is my mom not doing this? Why is my mom not doing that? Um, but yeah, a lot of time I really just felt like I was in solitude, like I was just by myself most yeah. of the time. I you did worked, work a lot. I yeah, did work worked, a lot. You worked like three, three jobs. jobs. <laughs> I don't like. There was a lot of times where I, I remember most nights I kind of went home without seeing you yeah. through the night, which is fine. Um, mm-hmm. Stuff like that. So I don't really remember too, too much besides, like, some days are really good, some days are very, like, intense, and there's a lot of arguments. So when was the best times with me? Um, like, when we went, we went to get food, we went to watch movies, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just learning mm-hmm. throughout the way. Stuff mm-hmm. like that. When, when me, when all of us got along, I yeah. just think that was when it was, because, because we had me, a lot of those. I think the first year was the hardest. I don't think we had a lot of those. I think we had, I think there's a lot of good memories because we didn't have, like, looking back to, I don't think we had a lot of those. It was just the ones that we did were so profound mm-hmm. that it makes it seem that way. Mm-hmm. But looking back at it, there was a lot of very, like, we just, it was either, it was either peaceful, chaotic, or just gray. Mm. To be honest. I appreciate you being honest. And it's interesting, um, the perspective of the parent and the perspective of the child. The child. Yeah. Because when you're a parent, you're just thinking, I just want the best for my child. Absolutely. You know, we we lived in an affluent neighborhood, went to the best school, rated, you know, like fourth in the, con- in the country Thank and all those stuff. You know, I tried to expose you guys to, to a lot that would make you well-rounded for the future. Um, you know, because we still went to the inner city, even though we lived in the suburbs. But it was... Um, it, it was it was definitely hard for me like as one thing I've learned is um, having a son and raising him I knew I did not want you to be baby um, I, I watch a lot of um, black mothers baby their sons and then they become grown babies if you will men who, who are kind of who, 
who don't know how to handle um, life and hardship because their mother's always doing everything for them. And I think, I think, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, I think I did a good job by allowing you to fail forward fast. Um, like, I'd give you chances when you, like, you know, if you forgot your homework in school, I'd give you first chance, second chance. After that, that's it. Like, you deal with the grade. Oh, maybe, you deal with, I don't remember you giving me chances. I did. I don't, I do not wish school. Well, also, too, middle, I did give middle, you a lot middle, of chances. Middle school, there was too much going on for me to even care about school. So I really didn't even listen to you. In middle school? Yeah, I didn't care about middle school. You know I didn't care. But you I'm thinking, I, I'm thinking what care. was going on in middle school at that time. Because middle school was... Y'all, sixth grade, y'all were, fi- were finalizing the divorce. Sixth Six. and seventh grade, y'all were finalizing the divorce. Where it was officially over. No. Y- yes. You were nine years old, Dion. Ten years old. Was no, that middle school? No, no, no. Ten years old. I'm, I'm, you're, gonna say, you're saying this, but I remember this perfectly. I remember all these moments perfectly. All these crazy things that happened. The divorce was finalized in 2013. Like, all the crazy stuff that happened. But you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. y'all were going through the argument all the Oh, yeah, between him BS. and us. We like, were going back other, and forth. Yeah, yeah all the, other, the whack BS, all that, yeah. Um, what's it called? <laughs> so, I didn't care about school. I really, I honestly, could, like, I'm telling you, I could care less. Mm-hmm. And my dad said all the time, you were like, no, I didn't. I'm like, I, like, my dad was right. But I didn't care. I really did not care. Yeah. I was going through too much stuff. Emotionally. Where, where I had to balance myself as a human being to continue to be myself. That's why I was just. That's why basketball was it. It was just ball. Like I just said, I just said, let me let me get C's mm-hmm. and ball. Yeah. Because C's, I can play basketball. I play basketball. Don't care. So you did the minimum. Yeah. Because you just didn't, just so you could play basketball. Yeah. And, that, really and, not, and, and, and the thing is, like, I didn't do the minimum as far as learning. I was up. You can ask any teacher. I was always the best student. Well, yeah, they always I said learned, that. It's just you, I learned you wouldn't more, pass your work. I just in. didn't care about work. I went home and, and working and doing homework was literally almost like a like almost like me. Like going crazy. That's why even when I went well, my dad's house, I could do work because it was a different environment. It was peaceful. I was at Serena's crib. I, I didn't have to think too much. When I was at your crib, it was like I'm here every day. There's a lot of weight and, and energy from here from the past that hasn't been resolved. It's just built up and built up and built up and built up. So I was like, I don't even care. It wasn't until I moved, we moved to Weymouth where I was like, all right, let me try, let me try to actually care about school real quick. And even in Weymouth, I didn't really. So, what do you think the rift between us is? Was not is Joseph? Thought that. Pri- well, when when things were good with Joseph, wasn't it good? I mean, prior I don't, to. I don't, remember, prior- I don't remember that. Really? You know, well, I do, but I kind of don't care because no matter how good something is, when something happens, you can't change what happens. FYI, um, audience, because <laughs> we're we're having this conversation, but. Um, during the time after um, uh, my my divorce with their father, a few years later, I ended up marrying a, a, another man. And it was good while it was good, but our breakup was very, very bad. And um, it affected the kids and affected me and affected our lives. And there was a lot of shifting and pivot and a lot of things that went on that um, that's what he's talking about when, when he's talking about those memories that weren't so, so great. Um, but yeah, that that was the first part. That wasn't everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that ruined my whole perspective, perspective on everything. Because I was already like, I was already in a I don't care. But that made me on some more like word. Like this is how life is. Say less. Word. Say less. And then um, I was already on the fence. But I was still, I was still really, I got closer with you though. Because mm-hmm. I was I need to protect my mom. I, I was angry at you, but at the same time, I need to protect my mom any way possible. But it was when it was when that instance where you lied to me, 
um, about the. Yeah. That's when I was like, I'm done talking to you for. I'm good. I literally at that moment I told I called my older sister Val. Mm-hmm. I said, Yo Val, no funny. I'm never talking to my mom again. Unless the words I said to her or everything I love, because that, because my thing, you. my thing is like, and my that's another thing. The reason why I also don't care is because I've had so many people in my life do not even that just just slap me in the back. Slap you in the back. Like, like as far as like telling me something and doing the complete opposite. Mm. There's been at least I can I can I'm not gonna give names, but I could name five to six people who were influential in my life that did that. Mm. And so when you did that to me, I was like, "You're my mom. You're wild at work." And the and the crazy thing is, and 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 so just for some preference to the audience because they're listening to us, but they don't really know what we're talking about. Um, you know, trying to navigate life as. Uh, just as a grown-up and as a as a mother or what have you, um, sometimes you think you're doing something to protect your children, or be, or or you don't know how to can tell I, them. Can something. I stop you? Ask you a serious question. Mm-hmm. How was that protecting you anyway? Mm-hmm. You you got married. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we go there, hold on. We got to give background. Why don't you just narrate it after? Okay, go ahead. Tell you what I mean. Mm-hmm. Called? You told me you were getting married mm-hmm. in a month. Mm-hmm. You call me the next week. You FaceTime me the next week and say you're in Vegas without telling me where Madison is, without telling me you were going to Vegas, none of this stuff. You just left. Mm-hmm. So now I'm freaking out because Madison's home by herself. She shouldn't be home by herself. She wasn't, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But you didn't, but yeah. mom, you're saying that right now, like, like, like I No, knew. I know, but no, like, I'm, I mom, got Mom, like, please, like, let me just speak. Okay. Um, you did that where it boom so now I'm already in the fence because you're mad weird that's weird I didn't even know that you were getting married till I walked into Jubilee Terrell and Courtney I didn't even know the names they said wow your mom got married I said what I started laughing and I sat down and I saw that and then you texted me right after that that's when I found out you texted and you even texted me sent me pictures mm-hmm. they said look what a smiley face like that was like so that was a slap in my face because you told me a month you told me you wanted me to be there mm-hmm. then then you then on top of that you um you you made it seem you called me and randomly mm-hmm. you're in Vegas without letting me know where my little sister is mm-hmm. because at the end of the day that's my number one protection besides my younger brother now but like that's someone I, I risk my life for. that's my sister mm-hmm. you don't tell me that now I'm, or now I'm even more angry because I'm, I'm anxious and then I find out. I find, and then on top of that, when you brought it back up, over time you you kind of made it seem like I should just get over it, or I should figure out a way to get over it and move on. Mm-hmm. Which got me mm-hmm. more. Which got me the most angry because like, yo, I don't even want to talk to you no more. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I don't. How was that protecting me? How was all that protecting me? Mm-hmm. So, on my end, what I'd like, well, one thing I'd like to ask you is. What did you did you do? Do you think I'm the type of person who would take my child and just leave them in like mad? Like I, I didn't I didn't know what to think because you did it. I thought you did it, but you but in my eyes you just did it. So because you because here's the thing: like you can say that, and I can say no, nah, yeah. of course not. But you did it. I didn't lose her. But you called me and randomly and said, "Oh, I'm in Vegas." So what is that telling me? Mm-hmm. And so and so the backdrop. So and I understand how. I mean, I'm not going to excuse um, how you feel. I'm not going to try to make 
up any excuse because how you feel is valid. It's absolutely valid and it's your it's your emotion and you are entitled to feel that feel every single emotion. And I'm not going to say that you were wrong for feeling that way. I think um, in that time, definitely my communication skills were was not what it needed to be as much as I'm great at communicating. But also at that time, um, the idea of me even getting into another relationship after Joseph, you guys were not open to it at all. It was a, it was a hard place to be. So, so because- no, but, but no, hold on. I'm not saying, I'm not saying I did anything because of anything. I'm just talking and explaining my perspective and that's it. But either way, we did get through that season. I will say that we did eventually get through that season and um, it was tough. So you felt betrayed and I did come to you and apologize and we talked about it over Val's house um, more in depth. Um, How do you feel, how was the transition of forgiveness? Not over yet. It's not even, I'm not even halfway there yet. Really? Even at the present moment? Nope. Um, To be honest, when I'm around you, I still feel very, very anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, always, because mm-hmm. there's it's like it's a lot of stuff that I just, on personal, like I kind of, I, I don't really open up. I'm very guarded, very guarded. Mm-hmm. So it's like I have to, I have to get to be in a place where I can open up for so somebody else to mm-hmm. even that. And so you're still, so you're still angry. Not angry. I'm over it. No. But no, I'm not angry. Don't, don't, don't try to say. Put words I'm, in your mouth. Yes, okay. I'm, I I'm not angry. Mm-hmm. I'm just over it. I just can't. I can't live my life. In the that, with that over my head. Yeah. If I did, I'd still be a certain type of way. So, what do you think it is that? What do you think about? What do you think it is about me? I'm not answering that question. No. no okay. Fine. So, do you feel like? So, where do? What do you feel like we are now? Just slowly getting back to where we were. Mm-hmm. Growing. Okay. Honestly, that's what it is. At the end of the day, you're still my mom. I still have love for you, and. Thing my, one thing my dad told me was like, you can you can say you hate your mom or that, but you don't want to be in the same condition I was when my grandmother died. And I did it, and I was a lot neglectful. And I was in the same code to her. And I started thinking about it. I was like, you know, at the end of the day, I don't want us to have a rift, and then I get to where I get to, and I'm just so angry that I start saying stuff that 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 would just be like, why are you doing it? You're wild. Or even like, I would hate to have in the future to have kids, and you're not there mm-hmm. because of something that I, because of a beef that we had. Mm-hmm. Because having my grandparents, like my grandma's just my one. Even mama, like having those people in your life. Even my grandpa too. Like having those people in your life, like is very important to have those people in your life to see that that connection, that bond, and how you should treat your parents. So it's like I just made a decision. Whereas, like, I'm just going to do whatever I can to just try to get it to this point where at least we can communicate. Right. And not feel like every time we communicate, I'm about to, I'm just having to up the phone, I'm about to punch a wall or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's just how it was. Do you think it would benefit you to get therapy, to kind of process that emo- those emotions and those thoughts that you suppress and put away? Um, um, okay. Because what I can tell you is that um, in every emotion, um, a lot of times... Just because we're functioning doesn't mean that we've processed it. Because your brain, your brain, you know, as you I know, I don't talk to somebody. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think the person would talk to would necessarily be under the title of a therapist. 
Well, who? Well, I mean, one of your sisters is is in that field. Yeah, I think that might be the only person that I could ever speak to in that way. Mm-hmm. I'm a person that I. One thing about my sister Val is that like she's but she was there through everything. So FYI, think, it's not her his real sister, but someone that we have adopted as her um, being his sister. But she's what's older. it called? What's it called? Like for me, it's like with her, it's like she was there. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to explain. That. Right. So she knows your story. I don't. So I don't feel like. This is why I always relate the way the way this would be to The Sopranos because that's like I've been watching that show since seven. Since seven. Yeah. How? Where was <laughs> I? Anyway, okay, we're, we're gonna let's let's scratch that. Go ahead, let me, continue. Let me not expose myself right now. Okay. Like expose myself. Okay. Okay. Like, While wow, I almost just snitched on myself, that's crazy. Or to forgive me. Uh, what's it called? But yeah, just like I just know that like I, it's gonna be almost like. A challenge for me to open up to another human being and bring up all that, so it'd be easier for me to just communicate with someone that that knows mm-hmm. and knows you, and you feel comfortable. Much, trust. You know mm-hmm. so, as long as you put it on but your to do yeah, list, I just know I just don't want to turn out to be how everybody else around me was. Yeah, they take their stuff that happened in the past and throw it on, and they I'm bleed out on you. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, and 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 believe me, it will happen against your will. So the sooner you process your whatever you have going on believe it or not whether it's with Val or not because there is I mean there's professionals that help people filter through it but either way if you don't before you get yourself into a a, a relationship a marriage before you have children you're gonna want to deal with those things because you will bleed out on them you know what I mean and and I'm the main Byproduct of that. I've seen them all us, so I know. Right, that. exactly, exactly. So a lot of a lot of behaviors that you witness between me and your father are, are our own traumas from, from when we were growing up, you know, and and what we've been through. But you you know my stories. You you, you know how I was brought up. But it's it's interesting though because listening to you, um, of course, as a mother, your heart is always broken to think that your child would feel disconnected to you and you feel extremely connected to them for whatever reason right and 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 to watch and to not it's like you know how you have your um your clothing your your your, your brand is called untitled scars that's the whole right mm-hmm. people don't understand like it's not only a brand but it's a form of medicine for the world to get better it's just using yeah, and it's ironic that you call it untitled scars because that's what I've had most of my life. I think that's what everybody has. That's yeah. why I named it that. Yeah. Like, yeah, everyone has had that. Yeah, we all do. We all have things that we don't bring up. Ever. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and that's and that's um, what's it called? And that's why, like, when it comes to you and my dad, I, I don't. I, I'm at peace. Like, I'm good. I meditate. I relax. I, I'm learning how to self-discipline. I'm at peace with everything right now. Calm. I know this thing like I get better, but I'm not gonna be angry at something that happened in the past. I can't afford it. I gotta, I, I gotta, I got a place that I gotta be, and I got a gift that I gotta get to. And heavy is the one that weighs, the one that wears the crown. And I gotta get to the, I gotta get to the place where I can put the crown on my head and, and be able to even try to hold it with all that. So if I'm, if I'm worried, worried and linking onto the past, I wouldn't be in the place that I am today. And another thing I'd like to say also is. Um, there's going to be a point in your life somewhere, somewhere down the line, I don't know when, where 
you no longer look at your parents as just parents, that you'll see your father as a man just like you. I already did it. Okay. Well, and maybe one day you'll see me as a, a woman. I and, do that and too. Do you? That's why. That's why we can have a conversation. Got I said, it. I'm at peace. Okay. Like, that's Got what it. I mean by at peace. Just like at the end of the day, we're human. As and we do the best we can. Yeah. I can be mad at you for something, but I can't. I can't be mad at you for the reason, like for the reason why. Because at, at, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. we all have things we go. That's why even to, to this day, I don't. I, it's, it takes a lot for me to get physically aggressive mm-hmm. or even mad. Like I used to have really bad anger issues, but I started meditating. I'm at peace. Like mm-hmm. you gotta like you gotta either disrespect me or my or my family. So you be like so you even even get to a place where I start feeling mm-hmm. because it's like you're hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, you know yeah, what I'm saying. Even yeah. when I became, when I started dressing the way I dress, I live in the inner city. Yeah. Everyone wears sweatsuits and everybody's a hoop. So when people are like, "Oh, you're a weirdo," I'm like, "Word, that just means that you've never seen this yet." Right. You, you live in a space where your mind's never been expanded beyond where you live. That's right. So I'm, so all I'm doing is expanding your mind. So I'm blessing you. Right. I'm happy. I'm right. smiling. Right. Call me weird. Say you look crazy for painting your nails, wear or cropping your shirt. That's what's up. But what do I always tell you about about how you are and where you are? I, I feel like I encourage you all the time to stand in your organic self. I think, I think it's one thing to say it, but it's one thing to actually be like, to be the person that's doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, like, I don't know. So let me ask you this question. Where does God fit in your life? God will forever be my life. There's no, there's, at the end of the day, excuse me, yawning guys honestly um <laughs> honestly that's great um one thing that i've learned um, being in church not being in church is that there's i think there's a high power or whatever you want to call it whatever your religion or whatever you want to call it there's a high power because there's things on this earth that that we physically cannot explain so like for me like praying is almost like a form of just thinking One thing I've learned too is that to look at the Bible as less as a, book, a religious book and more of a book about a really good book about life lessons. And I feel like when you approach religion that way, because I, I can say right now that I'm not really religious, I'm, I'm very spiritual. Where that's that's a lingo that a lot of people use nowadays. It sounds. Um, what do you elaborate on? What what your spirituality consists of? Well, for me. I just feel like church, and I understand that church is essentially a hospital, but just the way I was in church, mm-hmm. I was a kid that was eight, nine years old, prophesying with grown men watching the fall to the floor. I was a kid at, at eight, nine, being in the same rooms as high school and learning about the same stuff. So I grew up in a space where everyone was telling me to do the right things. And I did it, I did the right things to the T. Everything, my everything, anyone that was ahead of me or that, that had a, a place in the church mm-hmm. taught, um, taught me. I did it to the T. And when I started realizing that the people that told me that stuff weren't living it, weren't living it, yeah. I rejected church. Yeah, because it did, I feel like I was disrespected. And on top of that, when I started to be myself, mm-hmm. when I felt like they were rejecting me, because to be honest, like with church, where I realized that church is just politics. It's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. Church is the same. Church is political. Um, there's a high, there's a hierarchy, there's a higher power, there's a form of doing things, and so mm-hmm. to me, it's politics. You know, mm-hmm. 
I'm at a point right now where I believe in God and I, I read the Bible and I pray. But what I mean by spiritual is that I'm not I'm not tied down to religion. Right. I'm not I just wanted you to yeah. clarify that because people you have when people say spiritual, it can mean a lot of things. Yeah, I don't, and you I'm not into open. no weird witchcraft or nothing like that. That's whack. I don't. I believe that I believe in good spirits and evil spirits. I believe that there's a, I believe for every high there's a higher power but also there's a devil. Um, I believe, but I also believe that um, like like what I said, like I'm just not owned to a church. I listen to I listen to people speak, and I have my own way of living, and I have my own ideals, and I just live in those truths. And, I, and at the end of the day, I know too that I'm genuinely a good person. Mm-hmm. The way I na- naturally think is good, so I'm never in a space of negativeness or believing in a negative power or stuff like that. So that's just kind of how I am, and just allowing myself to live that way, and just being at peace, knowing that that's how I live. So, and, and and that's what this journey's about. It's like opening the gift of the present every day and and navigating. There is, you know, there is an internal voice that you have that dwells inside you that guides you and leads you to, to for every step that you're taking. And as long as you walk in your authentic um, self, I think you'll you'll be fine. Yeah, you know think, what I mean? I think that for me, people are people may not necessarily believe see that in me because I'm a very like bold person and I do stuff in a way that I love to make people feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. so I do things that like people a lot of people that are reserved will never even think about doing but I'll do it and I'll push it past mm-hmm. like I'll push the margin like, when I got into fashion I pushed everything I pushed the envelope I, I pushed the envelope for everything I do but that's my intent is to just create a, a, a creative space where people can talk and be open about things because I'm not the only one that thinks this way Yeah, I'm not the only one that feels this way with, with anything mm-hmm. and so like, I just, I want myself to be an example. That's kind of what I'm here for. And I think mm-hmm. that's what I, my, God, my whole goal is to be on this earth. Is just to, my teachings will, I know my teachings on this earth will extend way beyond my timeline. Yeah. For sure. Now, um, well, that's good. Well, we know that you are a busy man. <laughs> and you have you actually you took time out of your schedule to come and sit down and talk to me and um and and allow us to like have that. You're my mom, so it's like, well that's it. well of course of course but I do respect your time as a professional and as an, a young adult um and yeah so I mean to the to the listeners out there we keep it real over here <laughs> so you know some oh, wait, one oh, thing oh, of hold no punches we keep it real and you heard my son I'm, I'm always honest and um except for that one time where he definitely was angry with me but i'll have to give you my side of the story on my own time um because i don't want to dilute my, ba- my my baby's emotions and feelings by any stretch of the word in any stretch of, the, of meaning so um but yes we've had our ups we've had our downs but we're still a family and that's life. Life is going to have peaks and valleys. And um, Dion McKinley Jr., thank you for being my guest today. I appreciate it. Is there any final words you want to tell young men who are being raised by moms? Um, how they this, should... is a, this is a message I say to every single person. When you wake up every day, you have an opportunity to let the things that, that hold you back continue to hold you back. Look yourself in the mirror and look yourself and say, I'm the best person. And continue that way. Um, never let yourself... Never let yourself get to a point. You can always be in a space where you need to emotionally break out, but never let yourself to get to a point where the emotion that you feel drag you across your way. 
no matter what you do, you will always, you can always be your best self. If you feel, and, and my my favorite thing I always say to people is, when you feel your worst, do two times as do, work twice as hard. Because when you work twice as hard, that's when you look back at it. That's how you you feel the sense of pride, and that pride will push you longer across the way more than anything your emotional self will be. And honestly, just live live life the best you can. We're all on this earth to be the best that we can be. Mm-hmm. Be the best you can in anything you do. Um, and yeah, that's just it. Besides well, that, peace, love, and harmony. What would you say to um to the to the moms out there who have young black boys and raising them? Like, what what an advice from a male's young man's perspective? would you give to them be honest with your child never hold them back from what they want to do always let them explore anything they want to that is positive um and create a safe space where you and your child are just open not maybe not too too open but start having the tough conversations at a younger age start talking about things that they're going to see like we're in an age we're at a time and age where even being in school is not necessarily safe no more so just being real about those things. Um, the reason why I can honestly say I don't drink or smoke or anything like that is because I was open to a conversation when my parents told me about their childhood tribulations with those things. Where they said, where my dad told me, you can do, at the end of the day, I'm not going to tell you to do things that I, I never did. But if you are going to do it, do it in moderation and don't, don't make it something that ruins your life. Um, and so... I never had the I never had the feeling of oh if I do something my parents are gonna kill me if I do this so I it allowed me to make a choice where I'm just not gonna do it because I don't want to it's not like a lot of people are are very rebellious because their parents hold them to a crutch they hold them they they, they don't allow them to breathe and live and so when they get a chance to do it a little bit they overextend it the same way it's just the same way as when you're a kid and your parents tell you, you can't have junk food you go to a friend's house you bug out. Because you're finally in a space where your parents aren't there. Well, I, can, I can eat whatever I want because they're not there. Word, I'm eating everything in this crib. It's the same feeling. Like, don't don't allow it to where you look back and like, dang, if I could was just more honest with him right here, he would have never been this way. Yeah. And that's my two, and my thing is like, and the other thing is like, protect and be open with your son as much as you can. At the end of the day, they are a black kid in this world. Yeah. We are already going with a disadvantage. Would you say don't project your fears onto your sons? Don't do not. Do not. Because a lot of mothers project honest, their fears yeah. onto Be their sons. Be honest, but do not. Allow, like, at the end of the day, they have, you have to walk out in this world. You have to do things that everyone else does. Mm-hmm. You can't sit at home all day and protect your kid with a cone on their head. Like, oh, you're just going to sit here. So just allow them, like, just have the honest conversations. Mm-hmm. But don't let what you fear dictate how they live. Because at the end of the day, they're going to do what they want to do. It's their life. Mm-hmm. They're either going to do it to the point where it maybe ruins them or they do it to the point where it's just to get back at you or you can just make where they have an open conversation where they can think that choice wise, wisely. That's right. <coughs> Excuse me, folks, but that was great. I, I really appreciate your honesty. Um, and and for you and I, we're, we're going to continue to to mend and work on our relationship and continue to um, have dialogue and me feeding your love language and, and you being honest with me. Because um, your success is is my is my reward. And so as a mother, you know, I'm always going to um, be there to encourage, to push, um, and to be, be a better version of myself. Because the more, the more, because just because I'm 48 doesn't mean I can't grow. It doesn't mean that I can't evolve in my thinking and 
I know, right? It doesn't mean that I can't, <laughs> I can't evolve either. And so I, I make no mistake, ladies and gentlemen who are listening. I know a lot of people think that they, they have this amazing dominion and authority over their children. You do to some extent, but you're still growing too. You're still evolving too as a as a as a parent, as a grown-up. We have our stuff too. And I, I let my kids tell me about how I've hurt them or what I've done to them and how that affected them. And I don't I don't try to um, make excuses. I let them have their emotion in their space. And so as we evolve, we want you to learn how to have this eternal well of living because there is an eternal life worth living and um so thanks Dion thanks for coming through um, I just want to say shout out to my fit no um, <laughs> Miss Vaccaro if you see if you're hearing this I love you to death Val if you hear this we uh, love you to death Val no forget you I love you to death <laughs> I love you to death too Val let me talk <laughs> I love you to death and thank you for what you did for me in February because you changed my life awesome awesome so guys we're going to go and thank you so much for stopping by. This is episode four on the books. And my first guest, the amazing and epic, iconic Dion Carl McKinley Jr., my son. I hope you enjoyed this segment. This is really, um, this, this was, this was, this was heavy, but it was good. And, um, and we want truth here. Because when you tell the truth, it allows other people to have a perspective on life. And by watching you and seeing you, that if if these people can get through their stuff, I'm sure I can. So hopefully this was was helpful to you. Hopefully it it, it helped you. You have a perspective on things in a different way. So thanks for stopping by and we'll talk to you soon. All right, that's a wrap. That was the end of the segment of Raising Dion Carl McKinley Jr. And as you can see, um, it was kind of heavy. It was kind of heavy, and that's okay because guess what? Life is imperfect, family's imperfect, but we perfectly move forward one step at a time, one foot in front of the other at a time, knowing that we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We have the Holy Spirit here to guide us, to, to help us, to give us grace. And um, as he gives us grace, we give others grace as well. And that's the beauty of it. As a parent, um, when your children experience any form of pain, I believe that you give them room to be able to be able to express it. It's not the time to get defensive. It's not the time to plead your case. It's to let them have that, em- that space to process that emotion. It can be healing. And so um, that's what we chose to do today. That's what I chose to do today. And so this was all about Dion. He's just my little brilliant icon in the making, you know. And um, we'll continue to cultivate our relationship as son and mother. We were very close as in the earlier years. But as you heard, there was some imperfection that took place through our journey, as in most people's lives, right, in different ways. But... I'll explain my story at a later date. But right now, in this moment, I just want to give you a chance to give your life to Christ. If you don't know Jesus and you you haven't or you do know him and you haven't really decided on whether you wanted to fully commit your life, 
let me offer it to you right now. Let me give you an opportunity at this particular moment to just give your life to the Lord. And it's real simple. All you got to do is just follow my words. Just repeat after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know you died on the cross for me. I know you arose from the dead. And from this day forth, I want my soul to belong to you. I want the Holy Spirit to take captive of my soul. That's it. You're done. You're a believer and you're part of the kingdom of of God and you're part of our family. And just like that, you have to understand that you are now marked. You are a new creation. Now, this doesn't mean that life is going to become easy for you or or that, um, you know, things are going to be peachy. Life is still going to happen, but you're going to find that you have unbelievable, what people would call luck, but we call it blessing. What I would suggest is to go ahead to a bookstore, look at the different Bibles, find one that makes sense to you when you read it, and then find you a church, some place that you can find that speaks to your heart. Now, it's not a one-size-fit-all, so you do have to shop around, just like when you want to go to a university. You need to go to different schools and check them out and make sure it's a good fit for you, depending on 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 your style of learning. And so it's the same thing with church. So don't allow the church, which is a spiritual hospital, everyone is there trying to get well. Don't allow one church to deter you from your walk with, with God. Remember, you need to learn the word of God for yourself. And if you have any questions, feel free to drop in and leave me a message. Now, another thing I'm going to say is that I'm so happy that you came by. And I want to say a quick little prayer to, to lead you on your way. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day that we got to open the gift of the present again. What a blessing. And Lord, for all the people who dared to just take a chance and choose to believe in you and trust you and to, and to allow you to be the nucleus of their life, I ask that you bless them, that you guide them, that you send your destiny helpers to be with them from this day forth, that you dispatch your angels on their behalf. And Lord, let no weapon formed against them prosper in any way. And so we thank you and we honor you. We pray that they all get to glean from this experience with me and Dion and to understand that nothing is perfect in life, but with you, you can perfect us in our weakness. And so it's in your matchless name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, folks, listen, go out there, be great and live on purpose with with a purpose right now. Are you in need of some structure in your life? Or maybe perhaps you simply can't seem to get it together. Like you start a project, but you can't seem to finish it. You start something and you just feel so defeated because what you planned just did not pan out. Are you struggling with your diet? Did your doctor tell you that you have to eat healthy, but you're not quite clear what exactly what does that mean and how do I do this? Are you feeling like you just don't understand some of your behavioral habits? Do you feel blocked in your mind? Are you needing an accountable partner to cheer you on, be your cheerleader, kind of be your personal secretary to some extent, but the kind that just holds you accountable to your greatness, 
Wouldn't that be awesome to have? Well, here at Eternal Well of Life, this is what we do. We are your health and wellness coaches. And here, we thrive and we love the idea of creating an environment where people can thrive and become their very best self. Don't hesitate to reach out to us. Go ahead and log on to www.eternalwelloflife.com. Come in, get you a free consultation, see if we are a good fit for you. And if so, get you a coach. You won't regret it. (laughs) I promise you. But in the meantime, and in between time, there is an eternal well of life to be lived. Don't cheat yourself and put yourself on sale like a carbon copy. You are unique just the way you are. So come on over. Come to Eternal Well of Life Center. We'll be waiting for you and we can't wait to serve you. Take care.